0: Mark chapter 8. We're going to begin reading uh, in the latter part of the chapter. And um, let's stand together for the reading of the scripture. For those of you who are in the service today who normally in the morning services are over next door with our children, we're going verse by verse uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to read some very meaningful verses today. And I hope that you'll uh, really personalize them. I want you to think about this before we read our text. You probably know someone or will know someone in the future uh, who has an interest in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And just think about this. If someone you work with, someone in your family, someone in your neighborhood, you see someone uh, when you're taking out the trash or getting the mail one day, they know you're a Christian, and they were to ask you, you know, what does it entail to become a follower of Jesus Christ? I mean, what would you say... To them and we're going to look today at exactly what Jesus spoke about specifically what he said about following him and uh, and I want you to think about it as we read it here in just a moment if you could kind of I like to, when I read the scripture often I'll try to put myself in that place and I want you to think about if you were talking to Jesus and Jesus said these words to you um, you know, how that would impact you, how that might move you, how would you respond. And let's think about that as we read beginning in verse 34, Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also. And I just want to make note of this and we'll, we'll give it some more attention here in a moment. Because I like to think about who Jesus is talking to. Sometimes he was talking just to his apostles, to his disciples, Sometimes he was talking to just disciples that would include more than his apostles. But here it says in verse 34, He called the people unto him with his disciples also. What it's about to say isn't just to the disciples, it's to other people as well. And this is what he said unto them, verse 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself... And take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's a powerful passage of scripture about following Jesus. I want to speak on this subject for a while this afternoon, the challenge of following Jesus. Jesus. And anybody who reads this with an honest heart and an open mind would say this is a challenge. The challenge of following Jesus. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, again for allowing us to be here. Thank you for each person that's here. We pray that you'd bless as we study. Help us to give our attention to your word. Open our hearts, our minds. Help us to be alert and responsive. And Lord, uh, may we... Those of us who are here today endeavor, by your grace, to be a follower of Jesus. We thank you for these things. In his name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I want to, I want to begin uh, this morning, by, or this afternoon, by kind of just giving an introduction and dealing with what I think we would all agree are probably the two most important decisions you'll ever make. Uh, It's not the decision about what your next car might be. It's not the decision about what you're going to name your next child. It's not the decision about what colors you want in your wedding. These are important decisions, of course. Or who your next primary doctor might be. Or where you're going to take your next vacation. These are important decisions. But all of them pale in comparison to these two decisions we're going to talk about for just a moment. First of all, is the decision you make with a repentant heart to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. No other decision in life begins to compare with that. The decision you make as an individual, this is the most important decision of your life. The Bible sometimes calls this regeneration. Sometimes it calls it being born again. Sometimes it calls it being saved. This is not something that happens gradually. This is not a progressive thing. It's an instantaneous decision. When a person, by an act of their will, puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And that decision is only made once in a lifetime. Now sometimes people like myself make what I would call premature professions of faith or premature Uh, a false profession. I I made more than one profession of faith in my youth, was baptized twice, and if you would have asked me at that time, if you would have asked me someday when I was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, I would have said, I'm saved. Because I had made a profession of faith and I had been baptized, I would have said that. But it wasn't until I was 21 that I was born again, when I was truly saved by the grace of God. Once you get saved, you don't have to get saved again. Jesus called it being born again. You have a physical birth, you have a spiritual birth. You never have to be born again physically. Once you're born again spiritually, you never have to be born again spiritually. True conversion happens once in a lifetime. So we're thinking about for a moment as we go to the next decision. And that is, has this happened to you? Has this happened in your life? Maybe, maybe as a child, maybe as a teenager, maybe as an adult, maybe long ago, maybe recently. How important is it? Because Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Unless a man's born again, he can't go to heaven. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. This is not optional. This is not Jesus never said you have to be religious to be in heaven. He never said you had to get baptized to go to heaven, but he did say you have to be saved to go to heaven. Has that happened to you? And if that hasn't happened to you, you ought to think about that seriously today. Cuz it could happen to you today. It could happen to you any time you're willing to genuinely put your faith in Christ. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. But the second decision along with that, and this is what this passage talks about today, is I would call, and I'm going to use the plural decisions instead of decision, the decisions in life you make to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus. Now the reason I say decisions is because the decision Jesus is talking about here, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him and lose your life, that you might gain your life, those are decisions that will be repeated throughout your life. It's not a once and forever decision. Now I want to talk about this because I think there's some confusion about these two decisions. The decision to be saved, to trust Christ as your Savior, and the decision to, as a way of life, be a follower of Jesus Christ. Some people seem to think that these two decisions are combined and they happen together. I personally don't believe that. Some people believe that these two decisions are completely unrelated, that you can be Converted, you can be saved and never really even deal with the matter that you should be a follower of Jesus. I don't believe that either. I think both of them pertain to all of us, but I don't think both of them happen at the same time. I made this point earlier, but I want to go back to verse 34 and notice who these words were directed to. It says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, to me that's very clear that these were not just His disciples, those who were committed learners of Jesus Christ, but it include all the people. And included in this group that Jesus was facing, He gave these challenges. Right? He didn't just take the inner circle, the closest disciples aside and said, look, I want, to, I want you to understand that if you're going to follow Me, it's going to involve denying yourself and taking up your cross and Dying to self. He didn't just do it to those people. He did it to the whole group. Is that right or wrong? So it's in the Bible. So it included, I would say, the disciples and probably other people other than the twelve who were saved. But also included those, I'm sure, who were not saved. He doesn't say that, but the general public would be the people. The people. Now, I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this for a purpose, and I hope you're following it's not surprising that jesus would not hide from his closest people that if you're going to follow me it's going to cost you something that's not surprising to me they deserve to know that but he didn't hide it from the people either he didn't hide it from those who may not even been saved he didn't hide that from them he didn't say he didn't say to those that were unsaved now cover your ears Because I'm going to tell those closest to me that if they're going to follow me, it's going to be a challenging life. He didn't do that. He included all the people in it. Now, stay with me. That doesn't mean that Jesus was teaching the unsaved that in order to be saved, they had to follow all those demands. He wasn't teaching them that. Because the Bible never says in order to be saved... You know, you've got, to, you've got to never be ashamed of Jesus. You've got, to, you've got to deny yourself all the time. You've got to die to self all... Jesus never says you have to do that to be saved. If He did, every place Jesus talked about salvation coming through the believing the gospel, He would have included these demands. So what it makes clear to me is this. Jesus was teaching all these people that these lifestyle changes... And these are lifestyle changes for a person to honestly say as a way of life, even on a daily basis, I'm going to choose against what I want and choose what God wants. That is a lifestyle change, right? It has been for me. It was when I got saved and it has been since then. Jesus was teaching all of these people, including those who were not even saved, that this is expected behavior of those who follow him. I don't know if people actually verbalize this or not, but I think some people believe this. That it's acceptable for a person to be a born-again child of God and yet not be expected to follow these commands. These are commands. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Would you agree with that? It's a command. It's not optional. It's not like a... It's got, the Bible never teaches that here's, here's a level of commitment for uh, nominal Christians, and here's a level of commitment for super-Christians. It never says that. He says this is the way Christians ought to live. Right? This is the way Christians ought to live. For a person to say, it's a, I know I'm saved and, and I know I'm born again, but all this stuff about, you know, about uh, denying yourself, you know, I don't really think God expects that to me. Jesus taught this to all the people because he wanted them to know that. If you, were to tell, if you were to say to me, well, I'm going to tell everybody that's lost, if I witness to a person, I give them the gospel, I'm going to give them a track, I'm going to be sure and tell them that you can't be saved unless you're not ashamed of his words and you're not ashamed of him, And you, you, you can't. I'd say you're wrong about that. That's not, that's not what the Bible is teaching. But I'd also say this, if you took the position that you should never challenge a lost person with the truth that if they get saved, they're expected to live their life for Jesus, I'd say that's just as equally wrong. Because that's what Jesus is doing in this passage right before us. You know, I was thinking back uh, this morning about preparing for this message. I've been preparing my mind for this message several times today. Because we had several starting times. But, uh, but I was thinking back about when I got saved. My wife and I got saved. And, and I'm thankful that before I was converted, before I was saved... I heard the gospel many times. The gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. But I'm also thankful that in the mix of the messages that my pastor preached in those days, I also heard of the the challenge of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so when I, came, when I got saved, I came to a, an altar similar to this. I actually came by myself and knelt at an altar much like this. And I, I came to the cross in my mind and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation. And as I received Him and trusted Him to save me, I already knew in my life that when I get saved, I'm expected to live for Jesus Christ. It was what my preacher preached. Even to those that were not saved, he preached that. And by the way, it's what Jesus preached. So with that in mind, let's look at this text. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 and following, and just see what is involved in this challenging lifestyle of following Jesus. And I'm just going to look at the passages briefly. But look in verse 34 again, it says, And when he had called the people unto him... With his disciples also, he said unto them. Now, if you could put yourself in this paragraph, if you could put yourself in this, in this setting, in this picture today, what he's about to say applies to you. If you're saved, it applies to you. If you're not saved, it applies to you. Because you ought to think about what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. So he said to them in verse 34, Whosoever, whoever will come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I think we could all agree that one thing that's involved in following Jesus is self-denial. Right? Can we all agree on that? It's, you have to deny yourself. And he didn't say some people said whosoever. Whoever's going to follow me, he has to die, deny himself. A follower of Jesus has to put the will of God before their own will. That's what it means to deny yourself. We can't have our way and be followers of Jesus. Deny yourself means you have to tell yourself no. Sometimes you're going to have to tell yourself no, and you're going to have to say yes to Jesus. And he says you have to take up the cross. Taking up the cross, in case you've never heard this or thought about this, the cross was... We, might, we are very unfamiliar in our culture to crucifixions. We heard about it in the song just before the message. But it was a form of capital punishment in the Roman culture. The, it was so cruel. It was so uh, torturous. It was so brutal that you, it was illegal to crucify a Roman. A Roman could not be crucified because it was such a, a painful execution. But they knew what it was in the Roman culture because they saw people crucified. They, they, and one of, the thing, one of the things that accompanied crucifixion it had it accompanied the crucifixion of Christ. is not only would they be crucified, but they had to carry their own cross, the instrument of death, and that was a part of shame. You had to go through the public arena dragging this cross, which meant that you were going to be crucified, and it was a It was a mark of shame, disgrace, to be carrying that cross. And Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. It means being crucified with Christ. Just like Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the Calvary, Jesus prayed this, it's a simple prayer, but it's a very meaningful prayer. He prayed to his Father and said... Not my will, but thy will be done. I'm, 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 I want, no matter how much this is going to hurt, no matter how much pain it is, I want your will to be done. Denying yourself is saying no to what your flesh wants. It's required for every follower of Jesus Christ. It's required. I mean, you may think they can follow Jesus and do not deny themselves. They're mistaken. To follow Jesus... Our lives need to be surrendered to Him. There's something about our human nature that we think we know what's best for us. We certainly think we know what we would enjoy. But the truth is, God knows what's really best for us. And we'll get to this in a moment, but if Jesus, you say that just sounds too much, but you know what? Jesus knows something you and I sometimes forget, and that is this He knows what really makes life worth living. And it's not having our way, it's living God's way. So to follow Jesus, our lives need to be surrendered. Some people, when they think about discipleship, they think about being a disciple. They think in terms of, I just need to be more disciplined in learning the scriptures, and that's a part of it. But it's more than that. It's dying to self. So what's involved? This challenge, that's what a... Title of the message, The Challenge of Following Jesus. What is the challenge? Self-denial. If we stopped right there and we really took this personally and took it seriously and applied it to our life, we would all say, that is going to be a challenge for me. To go through life and making this the lens through which I look at many of the decisions I'm going to make in life. And not it's not what I want, but what would God want? It's not what makes me feel good, but what would please God. We have to deny ourselves. You've probably never experienced this, but I've seen it. When you tell a grandchild, no. And you know what? They always do the same thing. Oh, yeah, whatever you want, Papa. (laughs) Not exactly. It's the same thing when you tell a child, no, sometimes. Because we want our way. And by the way, that doesn't stop when you reach adulthood. Teenagers sometimes have that problem too. Not y'all, of course, but other teenagers. Self-denial is a part of it. And then notice what he said in verse 35. For whosoever will save his life, this is just continuing the thought. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. If you save your life, you're going to lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. That's what we call a paradox. A paradox is something that seems self-contradictory. And yet it's true. To save something, you've got to lose it. To gain something, you've got to, you know what I'm saying, it's a paradox. It doesn't make sense. But what the paradox is, this is what Jesus said, the more you're willing to die, the more life you're going to experience. Right? The more you're willing to die. And it's not talking about a physical death, it's talking about dying to self. The more life you'll experience. You've probably never thought like this, but I think this way sometimes. I I wonder why people. Professors. When I say professors, they mean that they profess by their mouth to be Christians. And who's Christian, who's not, I don't know. But I've wondered sometimes why some people who profess faith in Christ don't seem to find life meaningful or fulfilling. You know what I'm saying? The Christian life. And I think this is one of the reasons why. Because even though they may be professing faith in Christ, they're still protecting their life. They're still preserving their life. I'm going to have my way. I'm going to make my decisions. And Jesus said, the more we protect and maintain our life, the life we want, the more we're going to lose it. Right? That's what he said. Verse 35, if you look there, for whosoever save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. Saving your life And thus losing your life is like wasting your life. You're living your life, but you're living it for yourself. You're not really living it for God's will. And really according to God's, the way God calculates the meaning of life, it's wasting your life. And that's the description of too many people. They're saving their life. They're wanting their way. They're trying to satisfy themselves. And what did Jesus say? If anybody, whoever it is, no matter how old they are, no matter what, their com- what country they live in, no matter the color of their skin, whoever they are, if they're going to follow me, they've got to deny themselves, and they've got to be willing to lose their life. It doesn't make sense in our, in our mind, in our natural thinking. But those who get what they want don't win. That's what Jesus is teaching us. In reality, many people, and I could admit to this, and some people here could probably acknowledge this, the more we get what we want, the more we become ensnared and mastered by self and by the world. Give me what I want and it will lead me in a bad place. On the other hand, those who are willing to live their lives for Jesus and the gospel, they're going to find life. They're going to find life. I'm not. I'm not making this up. I've actually had people say this uh, about Christianity and about our our lives as Christians, and and that is this. I just don't get why. I don't just don't get why you people really get into reading the Bible all the time and talking about Jesus and going to church. Why is it just seems like you really you like that? Well, that's what that's what our, part of what life is ought to be about. Amen. Selfishness is not good for us. Selfishness is fatal. But self-sacrifice and self-surrender is life-giving. The more we give of ourselves, the more we we yield ourselves to God, the better it is for us. I think self-denial is like a sweet fragrance, a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. When we say, this may be what I naturally want, but I want to do this because it will please God, I think it's a sacrifice that's well-pleasing to God. It's part of our devotion to Him. So when He says deny yourself, He's not talking about being a martyr. He's not talking about dying a physical death. He's talking about giving up the self-directed life. You know, following Jesus, this this kind of speaks to this to me. Following Jesus is the way to life. It's a way of life. Jesus said to a group of people in the Gospels, you will not come to me that you might have life. He didn't say you will not come to me that you might have religion. He said you will not come to me that you might have life. John said in the epistles, he that hath the Son hath what? Life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, he said, death works in us, but life works in you. The more we're dying to ourselves, the more it ministers life. Following Jesus is a way of life. It's a way of life. It's not a system of rules and regulations. It's a way of life. It's not just living for Jesus on Sunday or occasionally, but it's seeking to live our lives for Him every day. Let's read a little further. Look in verse 36. He says, For what shall it profit a man? Now he's talking about things having to do with uh, profitability, economically, terms that we can understand. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If you could gain the whole world. Now most people who aren't really willing to follow Jesus, aren't just thinking they're going to gain the whole world, they're just going to gain the right to run their own life. That's not, that's not exactly the whole world. But he said, if you could gain the whole world, everything in the world, all the immense wealth in the world, all the valuables in the world, all the property in the world, if you could gain the whole world, and yet you lose your soul, what profit is it? Now, if I said that, you'd say, that's an exaggeration. But I didn't say that. Jesus said it. It's not an exaggeration. People want to hold on to their life, their way. And Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what have you profited? You know, when you think about it, all that you will have in eternity is your soul. You won't have any valuables you've collected You won't have, if you've got any, you know, um, property, houses, none of that. You can't take it with you. But your soul is going to live forever. Your soul, that part of you that lives forever, young person, that part of you, not your physical life, your physical body, but your person is going to live forever somewhere. Forever is a long time, isn't it? You may be thinking, man, this sermon's going to go on forever. No. (laughs) Forever is a long time. And and for those who are born again, those who are saved, they're going to live forever in heaven. With God and God's people. It's going to be amazing. But those who are not saved are going to live forever in hell. We're all... People who rejected Christ, people who rejected the gospel. The vilest of the earth, the demons of hell, the godless people of all the ages. Imagine, imagine spending forever in a place with Adolf Hitler and Saddam Hussein and the list goes on and on and on. Forever is a long time. Jesus said if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what does it profit you? Verse 37 says, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's sort of a rhetorical question. What could you give? How much money would you give? How much wealth would you give? Could you give in exchange for your soul? And the answer is, if you had the whole world, it wouldn't be worth your soul is worth. Then Jesus goes into verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words. Think about that. Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and ashamed of my words, my truth. In this, he describes the generation he lived in, in this adulterous and sinful generation. This would get my attention if I felt like that I as a norm, was ashamed of Jesus. This will get my attention. And I think most of us have had a time in our life, even as Christians, when we thought, you know, I should have spoken up for Jesus more than I did. But Jesus says right here, whosoever shall be ashamed of me. If you're ashamed of Jesus, you ought to think about this. Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also... Shall the Son of Man be ashamed when He cometh in the glory of His Father with the holy angels? Now Jesus is on the earth when He says this. He's going to die. He's going to raise from the dead. He's going to go back to heaven. But one day He's coming back to this earth. And, he's, and so He's talking about what it's going to be like when He comes back. Followers of Jesus should live a life of self-denial. Followers of Jesus should give up their life... That they can really find life. Followers of Jesus are called upon to publicly honor Him. Publicly. They're there not to be any secret disciples. They're not to be any undercover converts. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying that's not what God wants for us. We're to publicly honor Him. By the way, the first step of publicly honoring Jesus after a person is saved is to get scripturally baptized. Right? It's to identify with Him publicly. It's a a big decision. Followers of Jesus are not to be ashamed of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are not to be ashamed of His words. The words of Jesus, the words of God are often disdained, criticized, even blasphemed. But he says, we're not to be ashamed of his words. Jesus used this terminology to describe his followers in another place. He said, you're to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That's not a person who's hiding their light under a bushel. That's a person who has an open testimony of Jesus Christ. You know... All of us who read, read our Bible, we, I was exposed to that terminology, uh, salt of the earth, from day one, 40 plus years ago. But in recent years, people have started using that in describing other people. Have you heard that? He's a salt of the earth kind of a person. I hear that commonly. It means, it means his life has meaning, it has purpose, it ha- it's a, has a good testimony, if we're ashamed of Jesus and we're ashamed of his words in this life, he said he'll be ashamed of us when he comes again. Now, again, as we, as we try to wrap this up, I, this is a challenging life right here. Is it not? Is it not challenging? Does it not challenge you to think about this, deny yourself on a regular basis? And it's not just about big, big decisions, it's about little decisions. Like when you do something wrong and something inside you tells you you ought to admit it, you ought to confess it, you ought to, and something else inside of you says, oh, but you probably don't have to, you can get away with it. But you're, you have to deny yourself, right? That's the life of a Christian, denying ourselves, putting God first, obeying God with our lives not trying to always save our life, but to lose our life for His sake and the Gospels that we might find life. Not being ashamed of Him or His words. Now let me remind you this afternoon that this life we're talking about, if you'll think about it, this is the life that Jesus lived for us. Look just a little bit above this or beside this in your Bible. Look in verse 31. We covered this two weeks ago in our lesson. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's talking about himself, must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. See, Jesus does not ask us to do something he hadn't already done for us. He died for us. The only reason we know him is because he died for us and he's telling these disciples that he's going, Jesus I'm going to suffer and die. I'm going to give my life for you. Listen, Jesus spared nothing. He absolutely spared nothing in his sacrifice for us. He said, well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that. Say to God, Lord, I, I'm, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus did it. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. It was Jesus who said this in John's Gospel. I'm not going to turn there. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth fruit, much fruit. And then he goes on and says, similar language here to Mark chapter 8. He that liveth his life or loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life shall keep it unto life eternal. So Jesus said this in verse 31. If you're looking at it, Jesus said, gentlemen, I am going to die a cruel death for you and we covered this again a couple of weeks ago but Peter Peter said no we're not going to let this happen verse 32 Peter took him and began to rebuke him and in verse 33 you remember this lesson Jesus then turned the, turned it around and he rebuked Jesus and he says you're not thinking or excuse me Jesus rebuked Peter and says you're not thinking like God would think you're thinking like man and then he goes right into verse 34 I think they're connected Jesus said, I'm going to die. And Peter says, we can't let that happen. And Jesus said, he rebuked him, get thee behind me, Satan. And then he said this, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to die. Not die, many martyrs have died a cruel death of burning at the stake or drowning all kinds of torture. But he's not just talking about that. He says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to die also. Why would a person... <coughs> think about this. Why would a person... If, it's, if a person has to be... In order to be a follower of Jesus, if you have to deny yourself, if you have to put him first, if you have to lose your life in order to gain your life, if you have to be a public testimony of Jesus... Why would a person want to be a follower of Jesus? I want to say, first of all, because of who He is. He's the Almighty. He is our gracious and merciful Savior. He is our all wise Shepherd. We ought to want to follow Him because of who He is. But second of all, because of what He's done. He died for us. He came to us. He came to me, not physically, not audibly, but through people and through His Word and through the work of His Spirit and circumstances. He came to us when we were least deserving of His mercy and showed us that I died for you. I paid the price for you. We ought to want to follow Him because of who He is, but also because of what He's done. He sacrificed His life for me. He forgave me of all of my sins. He changed my life. He made me a new person. Why wouldn't I want to follow Him? But thirdly, because of what He promises. He says, if you'll do this, you'll find life. You'll find purposeful life. You'll find abundant life. You'll find eternal life. You know, the writer of Proverbs says, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You always do what you think is right. It's not going to lead to life. But you do what God says, it'll lead to life. The life he wants you to live. Is this a challenging life? For me it is. For me it is. I don't know how you look at it, but for me it's a challenging life. But it's a rewarding life. It's the best life there is. You've heard me say this. You've heard other people say this. And I know for some people it seems like an extreme exaggeration, but I don't think it is. If I had a hundred lives to live, I'd want to live every one of them as a Christian. It's the best life there is. It's the way God intended for life to be lived. So, if you're here today and you're not saved, you've never truly been converted, you've never been born again, you've never personally received Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you today, God loves you and Jesus died for you. He paid for every sin that you've ever committed. And you say, well, why does that matter? Because it's sin that separates us from God. And Jesus paid for those sins on the cross. And you can have a relationship with God not just by doing better, but by coming to Him with a repentant heart and receiving Christ as your Savior. If you're not saved, you ought to do that today. You could do that right where you sit. Receive Christ. Say, Lord, I want to be saved. I I turn to you. I want you to forgive me. You ought to be saved. And then secondly, if you're here today and you say, well, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know I've I remember when it happened, I was sincere, I asked the Lord to forgive me, I turned to Him with all my heart, I put my faith in Him and what He did on the cross, I know I'm saved. And yet it's possible as a Christian that we're not living the life He wants us to live. And it's not found in the way the world, nothing in the world, nothing in this world points us in the way of real life. But Jesus did. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to put me first. The more you, the more, take this home with you today, the more you're willing to die, the more you're going to live. That's what Jesus said. Is that an easy decision? Not always. But it's a wise decision. I don't think, I don't think that most people who who do not take their Christian walk seriously. I don't think it's because they think God is wrong necessarily. I don't think they, it's because they feel like um, it's not worth it. To them, they just, they just cannot bring themselves to say no to self. It's one of the hardest decisions we make. And we don't just make it once. We make it often. This is what I, I'd like to do, but I'm going to do this because this is what God wants me to do. That's a better life. Amen? Amen.